Division A community. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division in community, and where we want you to remember how to think instead of tell you what you should think. My name's Matt Fisher, and I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. John Wagler. John Wags, what's going on? Hey, yo. Um... It's an interesting day today, you know. Uh, so we're recording this. Kobe Bryant just died yesterday in that yeah. helicopter crash. Man, I was trying to. I don't think I've ever been impacted by like a celebrity death before. Really? Yeah. Like yesterday Ooh. was the first time that I was texting with a couple of friends about it, and I said, "Have you ever, like, in your lifetime, around my same age? Mm-hmm. At, you know, I'm 43, but I was like, in in our lifetime, has there ever been a death that was like?" This cross generational because like Kobe played in the NBA for 20 years. So his reach is like three generations Mm. of people. Um, It's male and female. It's black and white. Mm. It's uh, in brown. It's um, uh, he had such a huge impact around sports, which reaches like millions and millions of people. Mm. Like, I don't know. It was like a weird, it like felt weird yesterday because he was 41. And of course, like adding the layer of his daughter, um, being in on the crash and then one of her teammates and like, and their mom and dad too on there. And I don't know, like I told Lacey last night, we we're just kind of sitting like, I was like, man, this feels weird. Like this is the first time that a death outside of my own family or someone I was close to, I was like, this just bums me out mm-hmm. like in a pretty big way. Like I didn't, I never experienced that before, honestly. Like it was like the first one that kind of like rattled my cage a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. I, I've been trying to, to sort of, I've been reading about it a little bit. I'm not, you know, I don't, not a sports guy. Obviously, Kobe is like a Michael Jordan sort of, sure. you know, yeah. like everybody knows who Kobe Bryant yeah. is. Um, but that is an interesting take. I can remember. So, as an Enneagram Four, I'm prone to mourn uh, <laughs> sure. all the time, <laughs> um, and definitely like celebrity, especially like artist deaths. Like right. um, you can. Uh, I I was listening to Ian Cron's Enneagram podcast the other day, and he was talking about like weeping at Thomas Merton's grave, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. But then I also realized that's very weird. Yeah. Um. Uh. I can remember though. I I do remember my first like, oh, this person's gone. Uh, it was Johnny Cash for mm-hmm. sure, because it was just. I mean, we named our son Cash, like right, Johnny Cash. Yeah. But I um I remember thinking, what a bizarre feeling it is, because you're like, I don't know this person. I don't. I don't know anyone who knows this person. I feel maybe a little silly in spite of myself feeling real sadness, but at the same time, like it's not fake sadness. So I have to process it. It's weird. Celebrity deaths are a very strange thing, but I mean, you know, we've talked before on this podcast about how celebrities are kind of like the new royalty. Sure. And like, if you think about when a King died, no matter how the King was people like what, you know, I mean, an odd feeling. I do wonder though, it, I can't think, I know this is not even the point of this podcast, but like, <laughs> I really couldn't think of someone's death that, that covered this many people. Mm. No, I don't think so. Like, cause of the age he is too. Right. Like not, like not someone's like 80, you know, it's like, yeah. I just couldn't think of one that I think the, in recent years, I mean, I think the closest one would be like Robin Williams, maybe just because he had Disney appeal. He had stand up yeah. appeal. He had, you know, he and and over a lot of different generations. But, yeah, you know, I think these tragic deaths a lot of the times for our artists, not um, rather than like athletes or politicians. Yeah. Politicians t- tend to live till they're very old. Um, and for artists, it's like it has a widespread uh, um 
there's widespread mourning, but it's usually for a very specific type of person. Whereas yeah, I think you're right. Like this one seems to kind of like yeah, cross a lot of barriers. Transcendent. And I also wonder too, if, it, you know, like when Robin Williams, he took his own life. Right. And this is like a car crash. There's all of a sudden his daughter's involved. Like yeah. there's just so much to this one. I, I, it's just maybe like maybe like Biggie and Tupac, because they had they were you know crossover to white culture and just like yeah. were but see know. I still think this is bigger because like you're stereotypical and like conservative Christian with Biggie and Tupac were right. gonna be like indifferent to it but I think if you're looking at like, like this his death like crosses religious beliefs like mm. like ethnicities um, age like you know like you're like people from gen really millennial mm-hmm. through boomer mm. you know um at different parts of the country like even he was like the biggest star in china mm-hmm. you know because so it's like uh i don't know it's like a i don't know it's just made me feel weird that's i mean so. look i'm just excited that your answer to my question wasn't the normal fine <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, so I think it's worth unpacking. Uh, I will say this from my standpoint of like sort of being in the realm of non-sports people and also like more liberal types. Um, I've been very heartened by the amount of like Twitter activity and stuff that I've seen of people who are like, look, um, let's talk. Let's like have a dialogue about uh processing grief through complicated legacies sure instead of everybody jumping on and being like oh we lost a great one or everybody you know jumping on and being like he was this that or the other thing don't forget you know which we love to do um i've been very heartened by the amount of people who are just like everybody take a breath let everyone be sad yeah and just realize that like you were sad when your granddad died and he wasn't a perfect person either and like it's okay to both stand firm in like what you don't agree with or are feel is shameful about somebody and also allow yourself time to grieve because a 41 year old man with his daughter like passed away. So it's been like kind of nice. Like I've seen all nice things and uh, from across the board. I agree. I I think too, it's like, um, I think it's good in some ways, like have this feeling of like understanding how fragile life is. And we get reminders of that all the time from, you know, even for us, like, you know, Lacey's dad having a stroke, Mm -hmm. you know, a week ago to her grandfather passing two weeks ago, Um, you know, her brother being killed when we first got married, you know, in a car accident. Um, and then even some of the stories we have going on in our church right now, like the fragility of life is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. And to ignore that, you kind of do that at your own peril, but like there, but like, so part of that was just, I think was like really kind of rattling in my brain last night, uh, you know, just about the fragility of life. But then, you know, it was also interesting too, because I think one of the other things that might've like made it a little bit bigger deal was, you know, Kobe had a pretty big fall like because of some things that he did. But man, he not only resurrected his career, but his image. And part of like the image part was because he became such a loving husband and a loving father. Mm. And he started to get into his faith a little bit too. And that like shifted the whole narrative as well. So I think that like that played in, I don't know, man. I was just, anyway. Wow. Condolences. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to see you're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not what today's episode is no, about. No, not at all. Uh, not so, at all. Uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for joining in. Um, today's episode, 
we're just going to kind of talk through some stuff. We have some things planned for the next couple of weeks uh, leading into Black History Month, and we've got another sort of series planned. So before we completely abandoned uh, abandoned random talking episodes, <laughs> we thought we'd had one more random talking One more random one. More random one. <laughs> we, we should let them out. We have a like Black History Month we're going to be doing, and we're going to have some black voices here you know, for the entire month. Um, and then we're going to do a masculinity series. Yeah, we're going to do a series on masculinity. That was something that was requested um, over email and that we really liked the idea of. So we're going to do yeah. a couple of episodes on like different perspectives on the idea of masculinity. I almost did a sermon series once called Grow a Pair. <laughs> so glad <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So glad you didn't. <laughs> not that the content wouldn't have been good, right. but that would have not been my choice as creative director <laughs> for the naming of the series. Um, so today we wanted to kind of talk about, um, prophets. Yeah. Modern day prophets. Modern day prophets. Are there any? <laughs> really is kind of what we're <laughs> sure. talking about. Um, we just want to sort of, we've been, John and I have been having discussions about just the state of the world and how crazy things continue to be. And, um, just sort of the state of Western evangelical culture. We talked about Christianity today. We talked about worship leaders at the White House and um, I know that one of the things we pride ourselves on is if we're doing our job right, liberal people will listen and be like, oh, they're like on the other, you know, yeah. and then conservative people will say, oh, they're just liberals. So we're hoping that we're doing that. Mm-hmm. But um, really for us, I think what we see missing and why we do this podcast and why we have some of these conversations is that we see a lack of somebody standing sort of atop a rock and not taking a side and really just speaking truth. Yeah. And in the Bible, they call those people prophets. Yeah. We get like, it's interesting because, you know, people get labeled prophets sometimes like uh, as an artist, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like a songwriter Mm -hmm. or something can be like a prophetic voice um, into culture. And and that can certainly happen. Like call out something that's going on or um, they write a powerful song, you know, it kind of grabs you and stuff like that. And those are cool little moments, but What's interesting, I think, when you look at our culture right now, in particular, when you're looking from a Christian perspective, you take a step back and and you start thinking, okay, where are the prophets? Like the prophets of like the Bible, right? Right, Where the prophets who um, would stand in the public square, Mm. you know, and uh, would call out uh, the kingdoms of this world and then call out God's people. The, the prophets who would put their life on the line to uh, proclaim that God's people needed to repent or judgment was coming on them. You know, um, they would call out immorality um, that they saw within God's people. Um, they would uh, also address and shout out against the things of like the kingdoms of this world. And they were pretty adamant about those things. And of course, Jesus became a prophetic, you know, voice as well. He was labeled one of the things he's labeled that as, as a prophet. But you know, I think when you look around right now, there, you and I were both sat here. We're like, can we name a Christian like prophet, prophet? You know that uh, equally offends both sides. Who you can't pin that person down, man or woman, in terms of where they stand on certain things or anything. They just keep talking about God, mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. He would want from us, and call out the immorality on both sides. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we should also sort of delineate between in our political sort of like parlance, there's a difference between a prophet and like a centrist. And like centrist can be a good word or a bad word, depending on who you're talking to. But like a centrist is somebody who just sees uh, the need for like a little bit of both um, sides uh, and trying to sort of like 
slow the pendulum down, which I think can, can be a good thing. A prophet is somebody who legitimately is not concerned with the pendulum. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, and a prophet is also somebody like uh, before we started recording, we were trying to kind of come up with somebody. Um, and like we talked about Shane Claiborne. We talked about some other folks. And I think that, I mean, if anybody knows me, they know that I'm like a Shane Claiborne mark yeah. that will defend him uh, <laughs> to the death. But <laughs> Um, I think there's still this sense, even with some of these more prophetic voices on on sort of quote unquote both sides of the of the situation, um, that they still kind of have a sense of like who's who butters their bread, yep. if that makes sense. Not in like a money way or anything, but like they're still sort of like going to be slow to call out their own people. And yeah. a prophet is known for calling out the the other and also the us <laughs> yeah right? absolutely with no regard for their own popularity safety uh pr or or anything else and yeah and the reality is there's, a, there's also like a big uh not even a hint like they're aggressive yeah like the prophet or prophetess is yeah. th- they're going to be aggressive in their tone yeah and they're going to be like take it or leave it yep yeah <laughs> and move on yeah and yeah. I, when i was trying to think of like modern day or like more modern prophets i could only think of non non-religious voices mm-hmm. or like non-christian voices that like um i had a pastor who would refer to john stewart when he was on the daily show as like kind of a prophetic voice yeah just like uh a lot of comedians a lot of artists like you said yeah. like george carlin did not care <laughs> Yep. who, you know, like, and, and not in a way where it was like, I'm going to get out here and offend you. His thing was just like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. And he would just, I, I remember watching a lot of his stand up um, in like high school and just thinking like, soon as you thought he was sticking up for you, he'd turn on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like in kind of a good way. You yeah. Know? Um, now, of course, you know, before you engage any George Carlin <laughs> content, right, yeah. realize that he is coming from a, a different <laughs> stance. But um, yeah, a lot of the times it's like comedians, like uh, artists, you know, musicians, um, but those aren't really embraced in like a religious context. Yeah. And for religious contests and for Christians, when you say the word prophet, they immediately think about like the end of the world. Like, yeah. you know, someone coming and talking about the end of the world. But what we're talking about is someone coming or the kind of people to be like, no, like this part sucks on both sides, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and you're, you're both away from God. You're both moving, you know, down this, this road and here's the end result of this mm-hmm. and they don't apologize for it and they're not worried about it. And, you know, it's interesting cause I love Shane Claiborne too. And, you know, we were talking about earlier how he, he is very critical of Trump and he's very critical of a uh, conserv- some more conservative uh, politically, um, he's pretty conservative theo- theologically himself, but um, the conservative politic on the politics side, he's pr- very critical. Um, but I, I don't know. I've never seen him actually like say anything towards like the left mm-hmm. of things. And it's interest. I just think it's interesting. I think both sides, like the, some people might be thinking like, if you lean a little bit more conservative, you might be having a person in your head right now. It's like, Oh, they're always talking about the immorality of the left. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you lean a little more liberally, you might be thinking like they're always talking about the immorality of the right, but you don't see, um, again, you don't see someone who's like more of a conservative voice, voice, let's say, being critical of the left and some immoral things, and then turning right around and being like, and this is why it's a more on this side too, and, and vice versa. Yeah, I that's always an issue that I've had. As a matter of fact, if if I am really honest with myself. 
Um, I think one of the reasons that I've always sort of leaned more left, like if I have to pick a team, I guess, is I have seen, personally, I've seen more self-policing, though not nearly enough. Like I remember when Al Franken, when that stuff went down with Al Franken, Al was out. Sure. You know, now uh, the same treatment wasn't true of Northam recently uh you know he was not he's not out um but i have seen like a little more and i was always curious about why um in the sort of more uh people in the more right or like conservative camp tend to rally a little more around one another and not call each other out from my perspective which is i think one of the reasons i always sort of like leaned a little more left Mm -hmm. but there's really no one standing in the middle especially in a not yeah. even in the, you know what? Not in the middle, like above. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're not <laughs> like know? they're not even in it. Like yeah. they're just kind of like looking at it. Yeah. And like addressing what's happening on a larger scale. Yeah. It, it just we don't see it. And, the, you know, it's interesting because I, th- I know some people are like, you're just so critical of America all the time. And and I I don't want to ever minimize there's been a lot of good that's come out of our country, right? Like, there, you can't ignore that. It's like, no, I'm not asking to, like, I wish I was born in North Korea. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even when, when um, like, some of the recent, like, in the news, like, oh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. And she's like, oh, I want to go get Iranian citizenship. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Go get Iranian citizenship, like, in anyway probably be good for perspective yeah but there there's just a reality that um there has been a lot of good and a lot of even conceptually how everything was started here like there was it was based off of moral hypothetically what they viewed as moral high ground like that that is the best for all people is like this idea of um establishment of religious liberty and morals are a big thing moral laws and and that are that uh, a civic law should match up to moral law you know, and if it doesn't, then it's unjust. Like Martin Luther King talked about that and Augustine actually talked about that. But like they're like, they're, you know, balancing that. And I and I it, and it feels like and it sounded, you know, in the beginning, it sounded like, hey, like the liberty and justice for all sounds really good on the front end. But in the individualistic nature, inherently, if you keep being individualized, you're going to search for power. Hmm. And self-interest, like that's just what you do. And so I think that that's what's happened. And we were, you know, we talked about the Amish and how like they don't have insurance because they want to bear the burden of the community. Like, like, so if someone gets hurt, they want to bear the burden as a community that goes against individualistic thought, you know, that is kind of rampant. And so our conversation about profits though is not about America. It's about the fact that within the Christian realm of things, we've been duped into a side of some kind and we have lost the ability to be objective about what's really happening around us. And we've kind of bought into a system that's not God (laughs) or following Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it makes me wonder too, like why, I wonder why that's happened. Like, what is it about our society that is set up so that um, people who maybe start off as seeming prophetic end up taking a side? 
you know, is it because their voice is going to be taken from them? Is it that their money is going to be taken from them? Because like, there's definitely a version of this where, especially if you're in the ministry, like that's your full-time job and you start barking at both sides in the wrong way, like you might lose your job, <laughs> you know, like yeah, you might yeah. lose your yeah. whatever. If you start just getting straight up like Jeremiah with everybody, yeah. like G- these guys were homeless. <laughs> I mean, like right. these guys were like walking around barefoot with a stick. Uh, prophets and, is not welcome. Prophets? They're not. They're no, not. Because no, they know, people know it's coming. Right. Yeah. And prof- um, yeah. That, so that there's like some version of it where we're so attached to our own comfort, um, all of us, that we're always going to, even if we tend to be a little more like, I'm not giving anybody a break, we're not as extreme as a prophet because it's, you know, we don't want to live in the desert in a mud hut. <laughs> yeah. Well, power and prosperity and comfort are all seductive. Right. For anybody. I mean, any anybody. And if you don't have mechanisms in place to be able to help continuously like sharpen that and be like, okay, is this, am I going too far with this? Am I, going? I was even thinking, um, you know, recently, and, and it's just made me laugh. Lacey and I went into an ice cream shop. This was a few months ago. And there were some college students that attend, you know, Hill City. And like, they acted like we were a big deal. And, and it was like, it was cute yeah. and it was funny, you know, and, and all that. And the one person was like, we were just like nervous to talk to you. And, and we were just like, y'all like, we couldn't be less of a deal. You know what I mean? And, um, and so, but we were talking to them and I started thinking about like, man, you know, we, we do in the scheme of things have a pretty large church, mm-hmm. right? Like in the top 2% in the country, you know? And, uh, but I started thinking about like some of these other guys that get like, you know, 15,000 person church or 30,000. And some people that get into these different places with political figures on one side or the other, whatever. And, you can see how easy it is for Christian leaders to just get seduced by all of it, you know? And, and I think, um, some people do an incredible job of not doing that, you know? Um, but I think it's easy to just get blinded by stuff. This is why, you know, when, you know, when someone's like, Donald Trump is, is God's chosen person in, but they called Obama the antichrist. Mm. Like, do you not see like, how do you not see the hypocrisy in that statement? Right. Like there's, and so, or they might, that same, that same ceremony. It's like Donald Trump. Like, I believe what the, what the guys were saying about him, that he's had some, like he's come to faith in Jesus. And I, I believe it's there somewhere. He's just kind of working through it. And then in the same breath, they'll be like, but you know what? Obama was Muslim. Mm. Like, even though all of his closest confidants and interviews of him professing the name of Jesus, mm. they're like, no, I don't believe it. Mm. You know? And, and of course you can have re- reverse examples of those things too. But it's like, man, we we don't even see how, and I guess it's the point of being blind, right? But like we get so blinded by these things and and we need some more prophet, prophetic voices to step in. And, you know, we, we've lost, listen, part of this podcast is trying to like do that a little bit. And um, we've lost people because of our podcast. We've lost people because of things I've said, you know, in sermon series. But I'm not remotely claiming that our podcast or what I say, like I don't claim to be the prophet of Richmond or anything like that, far from it. Um, but you do see when we dip our toe in the water, we, we've probably done more than dipping our toe. We, we're at least knee deep at this point. <laughs> but when you when you get in those things, man, yeah, there's rough waters it's in there. A, yeah, it's a lonely <laughs> life. Again, looking back at, at the prophets of the Bible, um, not – cheery people 
and not people who had a ton of friends. You know, it really takes somebody who's willing to sacrifice their whole life, I think, to um, to to risk isolation, alienation, death, you know, spurnment, um, homeless, you know, like you know, <laughs> economic impact um, to uh, really fully embrace this this concept of like a profit. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what we may, you know, we may never see one in our time. I I hope we do, but it's, it's a real, to truly be a prophetic voice, you know, it takes you sitting around talking with your loved ones at coffee and railing against the government and then also turning and railing against something they say. And it's like, nobody wants to be around. I know. (laughs) Miserable to be around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and again, like you, and there's, all sorts of different views on like Isaiah was a person or several people or whatever. But either way, like we don't have any historical evidence that prophets of our Bible were particularly like communal. I mean, people that were um, having a lot of interrelational success. Other than Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Other than Jesus. Yeah. Jesus did. I, I, Cause I think he approached it in a, in a different way of being prophetic voice. Yeah. Like he did something that um, he engaged people in a much different way. And I think set what I view would be the ideal of how you interact with it. Like, you know, Jesus, if Jesus were here today, you know, if Jesus were here today, a government official will not feel comfortable around Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like there, there would be no rally with Jesus standing next to a president, a governor or something like that, where they're like, we're, we're in this together. Like you would never see that. But in, in the same way, you know, he would also be turning around and talking to like someone who's just more, um, quote unquote, on the left or more secularized, mm-hmm. I should say, and maybe making some decisions like sexually or with, I don't know, whatever kind of sin. Like he also called that out, mm-hmm. you know, so he was like calling out power. He was calling out sin. He was looking at the wealthy. He was looking at those that were poor. He was. Uh, the con- you know, there's clear evidence of conservative and um, like right left. Um, how he called out both sides. He had, you know, within his own disciples, like there was this. They were a mixed bag mm-hmm. politically. You had zealots who have been the most liberal people. Um, yeah, zealots are really like anarchists. Yeah, mean, they're like, absolutely. They're the guys who throw bricks through the Starbucks yes, window. The, the, that's yeah, that's yeah. those. And then you had the most conservative people possible. You know, too. But they were all part of Jesus' crew. Mm-hmm. And so he established a way as a prophet then to also bring people together and set a different kind of tone. And here's just the reality. That is not what we're doing as churches and as Christians at all. Yeah. It felt for a minute there when you were talking about if Jesus were here today, it felt like I was supposed to say. And that's why we want to thank our sponsor, Netflix new hit series, Messiah. <laughs> the Messiah. <laughs> it was a good thank show. You. Um, uh, yeah. That'd be great if they were a sponsor. Oh, man. Um, but also Jesus didn't really make, um, there's no bones about the fact that he was also like building his message off of, uh, like he quotes Isaiah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it took, um, I I mean, I think it's part of God's overall plan. Right. But like, it still took like somebody or some people having this really alienating hard life of having no friends, having very little community, and calling out literally everybody, yeah. Um, and then Jesus sort of personified the perf- the perfected version of that yep. um, by building off of what they did. And it's just like I don't know. There's just something to me that's like, I think when we started recording, I was like, man, we need more prophets. And now I'm like, 
dude, I wouldn't want to be one. <laughs> that sounds- well, it's true. It's not like something to be like, I think you have to be specifically, you know, called in a way to do that. But I do think, um, it's like we've talked about the we've talked a lot of, in the sexuality like conversation about the difficulty of like being called to celibacy. It's like how right. about being called to celibacy and also you have no <laughs> friends or job and it's hard to find something <laughs> yeah. to eat. Like, but you speak truth to Man, everyone just, all the time. Truth to everybody yeah. around it. No, I I think you know one of the things that I think people forget is the calling that's put on the church. Mm. And part of the calling that's put on a church and as a Christian is you're together. We're supposed to be a prophetic voice of Jesus. And I think there are designed places for a person to be a prophet. But when you begin to look at um, the, the office uh, or the, uh, I should say the impact of, of a prophetic voice, the church should be that. Mm. And the problem is, is that as a whole, we aren't being that. You know, like meaning that the church gets associated. Like right now, if you're like, hey, the church is associated with the the right. And it's like, that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It, it should never be. It, it should be like, no, that the church is the church. Mm. And it's not associated with a particular side because it can't be, you know. And it becomes a prophetic voice within it. You know, you're reading um, uh, about the early rise of Christianity, you know, you're reading through that book and there are so many things within that book and within early non-religious writings that the early church was a prophetic voice into the empire uh, because of the way that they lived, because of the oath that they swore by, you know, uh, the early church swore by the oath to love God, love their enemy. Mm. And, and when they did that, they looked a persecutor in their face and be like, we'll serve you, we'll love you, we'll, we would be willing to die for you if that's what it took, you know. But they then did that same thing for God. And, and so the way that they lived and talked and acted, was it was a prophetic voice into the community. And right now, I, I just feel like as a whole in Christianity, we're, we're missing that. You see it in pockets, of course, but we're missing that. And, and you know, my hope is, is that we would be willing to, like, take a step back and start thinking to ourselves like, wait, do I identify too much with a side? Like, am I, do I get more worked up when someone says something about president Trump or somebody or president Obama or a Democrat or a Republican? Do I get more worked up about that than, than like the way that I'm falling short of engaging what Jesus taught, Hmm. you know? And I think, I think people are getting more angry about sides right now than the realization that we aren't living out what Jesus taught. Yeah. I saw a lot of that during the, um, like the gun rally thing this past couple of weeks, like people just really, it was interesting how quickly people made it about sides. Mm. Um, when my understanding of, of like that particular issue is it kind of transcends sides. Like I, I knew a lot of very liberal, like, Guns is a thing. Like anarchists love guns. <laughs> like legit anarchists are like yeah. super pro gun. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, like libertarians are super pro gun. I know a lot of like what you, what people would consider to be like antifa people. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons, well, one of the reasons that they didn't counter protest was because they felt unsafe. But like there wasn't a lot of heart behind protesting in a, a pro gun thing because people who um, our extreme left are also like pretty into guns right? and people don't realize that. But I saw a lot of posting about like, Oh, the liberals, this or the Democrats that. And like, why can, 
conservatives not do this thing or whatever as if it was that simple. And I was kind of like, man, it's crazy how we just automatically start to do that when that's not really like yeah. this, you know, like that's this is a weird uh, instance in which it didn't necessarily go down party lines like people were making it out to. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you get, if that upsets you, if like the idea that somebody would call um, that particular demonstration um, passively violent or uh, not as peaceful as it seemed or whatever, like you can certainly disagree. I had some awesome like disagreements with people about sure. it that yeah. were like civilly, civil discourse that was awesome. But if it makes you emotionally very angry, <laughs> like yeah. that's like a thing maybe you should check into. Yeah. <laughs> As a Christian, yeah. again. As a I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. if your church is the militia, then that's just get upset, I guess. <laughs> um cool. Well, okay. So we acknowledged at the beginning that this was gonna be a little bit of a rambly yeah. one. So no apologies. That's right. <laughs> we told you up front what you were getting. You knew what you're getting into with this one. <laughs> um any other thoughts, John? No. Modern day prophets, we're waiting for them. I know. Please come. If you're a Hill City person listening to this, I just want to encourage you that this is the community we're trying to build and honestly is being built. Um, I think our crew has done a nice job of, uh, you know, when we say we want diversity and thought, not division community as a whole, um, you guys have done an incredible job with that. Um, I know that it's not easy and everything else. But I think that there's something special about Christians getting together and really challenging each other, um, to be outside of the sides and that we really should be praying and believing and challenging each other to be a prophetic voice in our community. Mm-hmm. So you guys are doing your Hill City folks. If you're not a part of Hill City, Hill City, I hope your church you know, is as well. Um, but I just wanted to encourage the folks that do listen. That's awesome. Yeah. And I really like the idea that like, it doesn't have to be one person that we can share that burden of, um, prof, you know, sort of being a prophetic voice. Um, We can all not have friends. Yeah. We can all not have (laughs) friends. And then we can be each other's (laughs) friends. Uh, cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Um, again, we've got some big things coming up in the next couple of weeks. So make sure to hit subscribe, uh, like, and, uh, give us a couple of stars, maybe leave a, a, a comment and share the podcast. Please, please, please do share the podcast. Um, if you have any thoughts, questions, uh, quotes, concerns, or comments, you can email them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at stay curious pod or on Twitter at stay curious cast. I want to, I want to affirm everyone. We got a ton of Instagram followers. You guys are staying off the bad website. We didn't get any Twitter followers. <laughs> and I think that's because you guys are not on the bad website. So good for you all. Good for you not being on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. If you're already on Twitter though, you should follow us, uh, at, uh, stay curious cast. Um, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we will see you all next week. And remember, as you go out into the world and live your life, you need to stay curious. Thank you.